Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barron. Joining me is Brian. Hello. Woo. Woo. Uh, today, we're going a little bit more in geography. Uh, we are going to talk about the world's most dangerous borders. Ooh. I, 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 I am basing this off an article I read by a bunch of... It was a poll compiled by a bunch of geo, geopoliticists. Proper, proper terminology there? Probably. And what they deemed as the world's most dangerous borders. All right. So when we talk about borders, there's different types of conflicts that can occur. Uh, can have what are called definitional border disputes, where basically they're arguing over the terminology and the actual lingo within whatever tree they have that created the border. Um, you can have locational, where they can't actually agree physically where that border is. Um, allocational. We're fighting over some type of shared resource. So there's all sorts of different types of border disputes. And then you just got border disputes where two countries don't like each other. And that's what most of these are going to be. I missed a border dispute. There's four. Uh, I thought you said four. Did I say four? Uh, the, okay. Maybe. Oh, well. well, the fourth one was where the two countries don't like each other. Yeah. Okay. All right. There yeah. you go. Operational. There we Operation. go. That's the other one. They can't agree on how to get things back and forth. Um, so like I said, most of these are just, these countries don't really like each other. All right. So number one, first one is the border between Iraq and Iran. Um, the boundary has been defined for over a hundred years, but disputes still occur over the territory, especially the use of the Al Arab river. So this is kind of an allocational dispute. Also there is, um, a religious divide there. Historically, Iraq is one of those prime examples of a country that had its borders drawn for it. This Thanks, was, England. Yeah, this is by the English after World War One, and England really didn't look at the the uh, cultural slash religious breakdown of the people they were putting in there. Yeah, they put the Kurds in the north, who have been fighting for independence for ever. It seems like. Um, and then they put a about 30% of the country is Sunni, branch of Islam. The other about 70% is Shia. Well, they put the Sunni in power. So that's going to cause issues. Yeah. Iran is probably the most powerful Shia nation in the world. So they always were backing that Shia minority. Um, and because of these these tensions, I mean that Shia majority, because of these tensions, a war breaks out in 1980 between Iraq and Iran, um, lasts for eight years, and over a million people are going to die. Um, and still, that the, the tension, I guess, is reduced significantly, only because now the Shia are in power in Iraq, but there's still some of that there. Yeah. Um, and if you really get into it, Iraq, Iran, that war helps lead the Gulf War, which leads to a whole bunch of other wars. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of the, the starting point there. All right. Our next border is the one between Pakistan and Afghanistan. All right. Uh, the border between the two is a superimposed border. Superimposed just means, once again, made by somebody else that's not the Pakistanis or the Afghans. Was this one also Britain? Yeah. If you look at most of these, they were made by England. Yeah. They weren't really good at drawing borders. Let's look at Africa. Um, 
So the border between the two is called the Duran line. Um, and this is going to be primarily, if you're looking on a map, you're looking at Pakistan and Afghanistan, it's going to be that northeast corner of Pakistan, nor, uh, northeast corner of Afghanistan, northwest corner of Pakistan, where there, there's a lot of issues there. Um, the reason being is that area in Afghanistan was controlled by the Taliban and the Pakistani government on the other side, they, they disputed over how that border was being managed, primarily because the Pakistani government really couldn't control that part of their country. So you pretty much had like warlords just going back and forth, smuggling weapons, all sorts of stuff. Like feudalism all over. Yeah. Um, it's actually where I believe uh, bin Laden was hiding out, was in that part of Pakistan. Um, so military forces from both sides have been involved in armed conflict, basically these border disputes. So Pakistan began to fortify their border. They basically shut it down. And the way they shut it down is they took some uh, tractor trailers off some semis and they blocked the road leading into Pakistan from Afghanistan. I don't think that's really worked because they Probably just go around not. it, but they've tried. Um, I mean, if there's like a ton of trees around it, then maybe, but I don't think there's a lot of trees. There's not, there. no, it's just kind of rocky, yeah. rugged, yeah. Um, true danger in the area, uh, once again, is just that lack of government control in the area. Both sides are going back and forth carrying weapons. Also, you got people on the Pakistani side that are kind of pro-Taliban, so they're kind of trying to install that fundamentalist-type government in Pakistan. Um and Pakistan has always been an interesting country in terms of global politics. They kind of played both sides on the whole war on terror thing. Because once again, the northern part was kind of in that Taliban controlled area. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, most current conflicts started when a major highway connecting two countries was closed due to a disagreement over a gate. They soon began shooting at each other. Three people were killed and 24 were wounded. Over... A gate? A gate. Like, was it, like, one of those just up and down gates? I'm assuming or, so, right. yes. So, so, like, no one was there? It wasn't, like, you I, can I'm, just drive through it at that point. I would think so. They must really did not like the fact that a gate. I have a feeling there was probably something being smuggled. Probably. And they found it. All right. Number three on our list is the border between Colombia and Ecuador. Uh, disputes between the two states occur primarily due to a revolutionary group called the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, also known as FARC, F-A-R-Q. Now, um, this is a communist group that had been fighting the Colombian government for like 20 or 30 years. It's been ongoing. Um, I think within recent years they've kind of signed a, a treaty to kind of end this and I, I think part of the treaty was FARC was going to be like given jobs within society and like the government was going to help them like reassimilate back in the society of opposed to being like these jungle guerrilla fighters I mean after 30 years like you know mm -hmm. I don't really um but they still kind of hang out on that border of Ecuador and Colombia um basically what FARC would do is they would launch strikes in Colombia and then they'd go hide out in Ecuador. Kind of like what the Viet Cong and the uh, MVA were doing on the Ho Chi Minh Trail during the Vietnam War. Yeah. We're just going to go through Laos and Cambodia, attack you in 
South Vietnam, and then just go back over because we know technically you're not allowed there. And then we said, we'll still go in there. Yeah. But anyway, so um, the Colombian army basically has crossed into Ecuador several times, breaching Ecuador's territoriality. That's the, the ability to control your own borders and secure them. All right. So Colombia goes chasing after FARC in Ecuador. Ecuador says, if you do this again, we're going to see this as a declaration of war, and then it's going to be on. Colombia responded, if you're not helping us with this, you are obviously with FARC. <laughs> All right. So there's that border tension between the two states. Also, that border area, FARC kind of controls it. And if you're not with them, they are, they kind of kill you. <laughs> Um, so the murder rate on the border is 96 people per 100,000 living there. All right. To put this in perspective, Detroit slash Memphis, those are considered the two murder capitals of the United States. They're, they're one and two, but basically they're dead. Even their murder rate is 48 people per 100,000. So the Whoa. murder rate is almost double of that of Detroit or Memphis. I've heard Baltimore is also pretty. Bad. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. All those deindustrialized cities are not great in terms of um uh homicide yeah. yeah all right so number four on our list is that border between yemen and saudi arabia once again another border built by the english the english um so this is a 1100 mile border that has seen high levels of violence uh, the two countries have been in conflict for the last 65 years um so what was going on is Globally, Yemen is a port of entry for human trafficking. Um, so what happens is a lot of poor people from North Africa who are Muslim, they get smuggled from Djibouti across the um, basically the Red Sea that, that's straight there, which is really small. They get smuggled into Yemen and then they're smuggled into Saudi Arabia where they're where they try to take on like jobs like servants and things like that. Um, also, weapons were being smuggled. Other things were being smuggled as well. Um, so what happened is Saudi Arabia built a wall. They're like, all right, we're we're fortifying this border to try to prevent this. Um, problem is, it's a major grazing area. <laughs> And a lot of people in Yemen are nomadic, so they're moving their, their goats back and forth. Um, so Yemen says the wall is in, is in violation of shepherd rights. Are those, like, a real thing? I guess. I guess shepherds have the right just to graze freely in any, yeah, any territory. Maybe I should become a shepherd. <clears throat> I can cross borders for free. <laughs> or, well, I can already do it for free, but without, like, a passport. I guess, way. yeah. Um, so what makes it even more complicated is civil war is going to break out in Yemen between Shia and Sunnis. Saudi Arabia, being the most powerful Sunni group, is going to back that the Sunnis. And then here comes Iran again, back in the Shia. So Yemen's kind of become this proxy war between the Saudis and Iranians. And unfortunately, the uh, civilians of Yemen are taking the brunt of this. Um, it's a major humanitarian crisis that most people aren't aware of. Uh, they say about 80% of the population currently is in a state of famine and it's only going to get worse. Um, so that is that. And then the war is still going on. It's been going on for at least five, six, 
six years. And then like Oman right next to it is like super rich, right? Yep. Yemen uh, lost the lottery of geography. Yeah. They don't have oil. Meanwhile, all their neighbors do. So number five on our list is the Mexican-United States border. Um, It totals 1,989 miles and has the highest amount of annual border crossings in the world. Uh, The area that is most dangerous is the uh, border crossing between El Paso and Juarez. Um, Reason why is that is considered like the main area where drugs are smuggled into the country. Um, So the drug cartels in Mexico are in like full control of Juarez. Um, And every so often you hear about headless bodies being found on the Juarez side of the border. Uh, The issue becomes, though, sometimes that violence crosses over into the U.S. side. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that Juarez, El Paso area, not so great. Uh, Hundreds have died after violent encounters between the police and the gangs. Um, Just like a week or two ago, they arrested El Chapo's major drug cartel son. And the cartel just like went in up, up, up uh, open war against the Mexican government, and they were like shooting at planes and all sorts of stuff. Man, all right. So that that how did the cartels get like enough for like anti aircraft guns? <clears throat> they were just using like uh, oh, just like normal guns. Yeah, there's a video that someone oh. posted online of them in a plane, like at the airport, getting ready to take off, and everyone's ducking behind seats as bullets are <laughs> crossing. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like. As the planes were in the air. No, as they were taken uh, off from the airport. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. I was like, how are you going to shoot at a plane with like a like a normal rifle? Yeah. Or no, the, they were on the ground getting ready to take off. All right. All right. Next one on our list is Israel and Syria. Uh, Israel. All right. So in the Israel is formed in 1948. Um the formation of Israel itself was was, uh, was disputed within the Middle East because uh, one, it's holy land for both Muslims, Jews, and Christians. Also, Palestinians are disputing that that was their land and it was just given to the Israelis. So what happens is in the late 40s, early 50s, maybe you can help me out, there's a war called the Six-Day War. It was like right after Israel. Four, yeah, it was like 49-ish. All right. So basically what happens is Syria, Jordan, Egypt, they're like, we're going to take Israel out. Well, they get destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> they get in six days. The Israeli army just absolutely destroys them. Cause like the U S is like <clears throat> giving them a ton of weapons and stuff. Correct. You know why we're giving them a ton of weapons? Because I, this is why I, I find, the I cold, don't remember. This is why I find the cold war so fascinating. So it, it, originally when Israel is formed, um, let's see, it's 48. Eisenhower is starting to say, it was either Eisenhower or Truman. One of them was starting, I think it was still Truman. Was it Truman? Yeah. He was saying, we're not, we're not going to get involved with this because he saw the issues that this was going to cause in the region. And then did the Soviet Union back up some other countries? So what happens is the Suez Canal the, the um, Egyptian government naturalizes it. So basically they take it from the English. Well, the English basically invade Egypt and we're like, can't be doing this. So we, we, we put a kibosh on that. But then the Egyptians come to us and ask us for weapons. 
and we and seeing what may happen with those weapons we say no we're not we're not arming the middle east so then they turn to the soviets for those weapons so in turn we got to find somebody to, to put the egyptians in check from soviet control so that's the whole reason why we back israel yeah um, just to spite the ussr yes that's why the cold war is just fascinating yeah. um so anyway Israel in the Six Day War will take a territory called the Golan Heights, which is technically part of Syria. Um, that area is still disputed today. Um, now, with the the Syrian civil war going on, it's kind of that disputes kind of died down because there's bigger issues going on in Syria right now. Um, but there's a wall there, um, and you, you you constantly hear about rocket attacks coming from Syria into the Golan Heights, and then the Israelis respond with 12 times the force. It's just this back and forth battle over this Golan Heights. All right, next one. India, Pakistan. A lot of Pakistan. Yes, a lot of India too. Yeah. Uh, Once again, border drawn by the English. The English. Sorry to anyone listening in the UK. (laughs) Uh, The border is 1,800 miles long and is very heavily guarded. You can actually, unlike the uh, Great Wall of China, you can actually see it from space. Because the the floodlights on the Indian side, you can straight up see the border because it's so so fortified. Um, So the history behind this one, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, we're all one country. When they gain their independence from England in the 50s, the England are going to step in and they they kind of foresee a conflict brewing here. Because what happens is India, Pakistan and Bangladesh, you'd have a Hindu majority and a Muslim minority. And they this one isn't as erroneous of a, of, of a foul in terms of border building as some of their other ones, but they kind of in order to prevent conflict from breaking out, basically a civil war breaking out because they fear that the Hindu majority is going to suppress the, the Muslim minority and then the Muslim minority is going to rise up and it's going to have this nasty war. They're like, all right, we're going to make two countries. We're going to make India, which is for the Hindus, and then we're going to make Pakistan, which is for the Muslims. And there's actually an East and West Pakistan. All right, East Pakistan will eventually become Bangladesh. All right, the problem is now you have Muslims living in Hindu India and you got Hindus living in Muslim Pakistan, and they're going to start moving to their, 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 the, uh, the countries where their religion is dominant. Well, the sides start crossing paths and violence breaks out. This is when Gandhi will famously go on a, a hunger strike to end the violence. Um, but what is the real issue here is a territory in the north, see, northwest of India, northeast of Pakistan called Kashmir. The British basically said, you guys figure this one out. It's a great Led Zeppelin song. It is a great Led Zeppelin song. And it's a fancy sweater. Yeah. Made out of goat and something. Is it goat, sheep, I don't, wool? It's I a don't fancy know. wool. It's really soft. But the reason why Kashmir is so important is it has a lot of fresh water. So both India and Pakistan claim Kashmir as their own. So this is kind of the hotbed of that conflict. Um, both sides have fortified their positions and have like bunkers and machine gunners and all that stuff. Uh, three wars have been fought with over 50,000 people being killed over this small territory, Kashmir. And there's, it doesn't appear that there's any end in sight here. Um, 
What makes this even more dangerous is the fact that both India and Pakistan have nuclear weapons pointed at each other. And if it really spirals out of control, then they'll probably nuke Kashmir and then no one can have it. They'll nuke each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think India and Pakistan each have about 30 nuclear warheads. Um, and on a lighter note, if you ever get, get the opportunity to look up the border crossing, the border closing ceremony between India and Pakistan, you need to check it out. It's a delight. They have like a dance off. It's, it's a something. All right. All right. Ready for number one on the list. Yep. The most dangerous border in the world. Any guesses? Taking any production predictions here? North Korea, South Korea. You know what? I forgot one. That is number one on the list. Oh, really? I forgot one. All right. Next one. Also oh. involving India. I forgot to hit the down button on my presentation. <laughs> Oops. All right. India, China is number two on the list. All right. And this is over. Kashmir. Oh. <laughs> China lays claim to Kashmir. Um, the reason why is, so they share about a 2,100-mile border. The issue is, with the terminology of, of the treaty, it says, basically, they said the start of a glacier is the border. If you're making a border, I would suggest not using a glacier as a point. Because they change. They change. They grow and they shrink. All right. So as this thing grows and shrinks, each side claims territory as being theirs. And then the other side goes, no. Um once again, this Kashmir is important because it's got a lot of water. Obviously, it's got glaciers and things like that. Yeah. Um, and also, you got to think of as that glacier melts, also rivers are going to change and all that stuff. Um, so two nations are also competing to build infrastructure along the border, uh, which is also known as the line of actual control. All right. Um, India's construction of a new road to a high altitude airbase was seen as one of the main triggers of a deadly 2020 clash with ch uh, Chinese troops, where I think like 26 to 30 Indian soldiers were killed. Uh, you'll see all sorts of videos and news reports of uh, clashes going on on this border. There was one where they started throwing rocks at each other, and I don't know where this guy comes out of a cave and like drop kicks another guy off a cliff and then just goes back in the cave. Uh, there's another one where... Is that like a military person who drop kicked Yeah. Him? Oh. It's really strange. I thought it was just like a normal dude. No, it was like, it was like videoed on someone's phone and they're just out there like throwing rocks at each other. And this guy just comes out of a cave and like drop kicks this one guy and then just goes back in the cave. Um, there's another one where they have like bats and they're just beating each other across the barbed wire border. Um, yeah. So this one is pretty tense. Um, after, after the latest, com uh, the, the, the latest skirmish, you actually had Indian civilians in, uh, the Kashmir area burning Chinese leaders in effigy. So there's some, there's some serious tension there. Yeah. Once again, this one could get ugly really quick. One, they both have nukes and they both have over a billion people. And Pakistan is also involved. Yeah. So that's one of India's actual claims is that Pakistan and China are ganging up on them. And then they're going to divide up Kashmir once they kick them out. So something to look at. All right, now number one on our list. North if, Korea, South Korea. The DMZ, 
or also known as the demilitarized zone between South Korea and North Korea, which just happens to be along the 38th parallel. Thanks, <coughs> not Britain. No, this time was, it was us. That was us, yes, and the Soviets. All right, so quick, quick little history lesson here. Korea was taken over by the Japanese, World War II. About two days before World War II ends, the Soviets are going to declare war on Japan because they want something. They just want to get something out of this, all right? They're actually holding back because they want the United States to suffer because they feel like we held back to make them suffer in the early days of World War II. So they declare war on Japan. Well, what they get out of it is control of what we now know as North Korea. Okay, basically Korea becomes like Germany after World War II. There's gonna be the Soviet side and then there's gonna be the American side, which is actually technically controlled by the UN, but really the United States is controlling yeah. it. Um, so what ends up happening is North Korea with the backing of Stalin is going to invade South Korea. Um, South Korea is basically pushed back. United States, UN intervenes, push North Koreans back to China, get too close to China. China gets involved. They go and come across. MacArthur so, says nuke them. Yeah, MacArthur. And then gets fired. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway. So what was supposed to be the 38th parallel as the natural border between the two countries, that just happens to be about the armistice line. Shocking. All right. So technically, the Korean War was still going on up until I think a year or two ago where they finally ended it. But there's... I still think it's going on. Is it actually. still going on? Yeah, I thought they, just, they ended it. No, they just had some talks and okay. that's about it. So between the two borders is a big swath of land called the DMZ, which part of ceasefire said no army can be within this territory, but it's heavily mined, it's heavily guarded, it's got like electric fences. You're not getting across it. People no. are trying, but they're, it's not going well. Um, so anyone who crosses the line will be shot. There's only one place where the two parties can meet. And there's like a special phone you got to call up and be like, hey, we want a meeting. Um, I think at one point an American is actually going to be dragged over and he's killed with an, an axe. Yeah, that's why um, in the, you know, that blue building that you go, that the, like, American tourists can go into where they're, they can technically, like, be in North Korea. Mm -hmm. Like, there's South Korean guards at the door to North Korea because people have just been dragged over. And they actually have, like, the axe in the museum. Really? Is, yeah. The North Koreans. Do. Yeah. Yeah. North, the North, it's, it's. North Korean propaganda against the United States. It's is, crazy. It's comical, but scary at the same time. Yeah. Like that, you, that's what you think. Uh, but, but once again, very, very dangerous border. Military is present on both sides. Um, and they say if, if conflict ever breaks out, Seoul's probably gone because Seoul's only like 25, 30 miles from the border. So it's right in firing distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the most dangerous border in the world, as picked by these political geographers. And they're probably right. They're probably right, yeah. That's that's one you don't mess around with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Join us next week. Join us next week. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit 
www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.